What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CHE, CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, as you know, Jeff Morton. Um, okay, Nuggets win. Nuggets win. Nuggets win. Nuggets win. They beat the uh, Los Angeles Lakers 113-111 to sweep the series. Going to booking the Nuggets' first uh, NBA Finals trip in... Well, let's see, they were founded in 1967, so this is 56 years of franchise and 47 years as a uh, NBA team. Um, this is the, this is the, it was thoroughly, d despite the, and I'm going to get to this in the second half, despite the uh, weird spin we're seeing that the Nuggets did anything but dominate this series, um, which, which, you know, there's different levels of domination, and I'm going to get into that. Um the Nuggets really did. This was a sweep in its classic sense. Um, you know, the equalizing factor for the, not equalizing, but the, the attempt to equalizing factor for the um, Lakers was LeBron James. Only LeBron James at this point. And I'm, I'm going to get to that in the second half. But the Denver Nuggets are... Um, this is simply the best Nuggets team. This is this is. There's no dispute about that. The the, the Denver Nuggets um, have crossed that Rubicon, uh, and it took really li winning this series. Like people were already ready to go do it without them winning the series. The fact that they won uh, the series is uh, by far, by far the biggest indication that indication that they are the best team in Nuggets history, hands down. Compliments to everyone from the coaching staff to uh, obviously Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr., who underrated, was huge in this series, and I'll get to that in just a second. Um, uh, but Jokic, I mean, what can you say? 30 points, uh, let's see, 14 rebounds, 13 assists? I mean, that's just insane. That's insane. I mean, the, the guy is just a machine. He's an absolute machine. There's not. There's nothing more you can say than the Nikola Jokic is a fucking machine. Um, but this is well, a fucking machine is com completely different from what I mean. But anyway, he's a machine, and this is one of those things that um, I'm going to look back on because I, I've given myself. I'm recording this really early uh, on Tuesday morning after the game because I didn't want to do a podcast in euphoria. I wanted a chance to think about it. I wanted to give some context and I wanted to provide that context because um, most of the podcasts and the an analysis and all this stuff is, is in the moment stuff. These kinds of games mean more to people who have suffered. Um, sorry, folks, this is, this is, this is a different meaning for people who have suffered with the Denver Nuggets for so long. Um, and there was a uh, person who, there was a person who I know, fairly, relatively famous person who sent me a text uh, and last night asking me what it means to be a, uh, a Nuggets fan at this moment in time. And I said, I'll be honest with you, it it's kind of making the previous 55 years, I mean, I'm 45, but the previous years of suffering, um, worth it. I mean, sort of, um, I'm not sure anything could make the nineties, particularly the late nineties worth it, but, uh, it's made the misery worth the journey. Um, my friend, Andy Feinstein has always talked about, uh, not being, not seeing the nuggets get to a finals in his lifetime. 
One of the, the thing that changed was Nikola Jokic. Um, we cannot give him enough credit for what he has done. Yes, Jamal Murray had some great games in this series, and I'll get to him in a second, and Michael Porter Jr. But really, this series was all about Nikola Jokic, particularly games uh, three and four. Uh, he had a great game one, uh, not so good game two, uh, after the adjustments and all this stuff. But what I saw, particularly in this in the fourth quarter of game three and the second half of game uh, four was Nikola Jokic understood winning time. And there's a thing, there's a thing that we, people need to understand that there's a difference between the concept of basketball in general and NBA basketball. NBA basketball is different because a lot of what the league is built on is the ability to have star power. The, the league is fundamentally founded on having a one person being unstoppable. That's what's happening in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler has really kind of powered through the rest of that conference because he is the one unstoppable force that you get. And I think I think what happens is we we get caught up on the concept of basketball because there's so much. Um, you know, I, I hate saying foreign basketball is a world sport, but uh, a not in the United States. Um, concept of basketball is a lot different. Um, it's a lot more similar to soccer uh, slash football. Um, the no one person is above the team. Every you do your team concept relentlessly, no matter what. That really has never been basketball post nineteen seventy five particularly going into the 80s where it became more about the stars that's the way the NBA was able to get out of the drug era of uh, of the sport this could to, and not to make this more weighty but the the last night Jokic said he was the first among equals and that's an interesting way to look at this in the NBA, it's always about a guy and his supporting cast and it's always the emphasis on the supporting cast quote unquote. It's never teammates. And that really was uh, a factor with LeBron. Uh, not LeBron, uh, Jordan. Jordan, I think, is where people started referring to other players as supporting players to this one star. Um, there is no doubt Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bruce Brown, um, uh Christian Brown, all the red plus the players on the roster are quote unquote supporting players to the star and the, the engine that is Nikola Jokic. However, Jokic saying that he is the first among equals is a kind of a different kind of sea change for this Nuggets, uh, Nuggets team. You know, one of the things you saw with, um, Greg Popovich, um, which is why one of the reasons I, I am lower on Greg Popovich than, than most people. He was the extreme beneficiary of having David Robinson and Tim Duncan at the same time and having a once in a generation uh, player like Tim Duncan, who allowed him to be a prick. It's basically, it was basically the way this, this, uh, lined up. It, it or Popovich was able to do what he was able to do because Tim Duncan was okay. Yeah, yeah I'll accept it. And it, and it filtered down through the rest of the team. This is different. People always compare Jokic to Tim Duncan. This is this is not the same. Uh, the, Malone doesn't treat um, 
this isn't a military kind of thing like it was with Popovich. Okay. Malone doesn't treat Jokic that way. Everything filters from Jokic. First among equals is a very, very Jokic approach. It is a very um, European basketball approach. Um, if you notice Nikola Jokic in the Olympics or any of the uh, Serbian um, national games, he is not doesn't get the emphasis he does in the NBA. He is one of the guys there. And it's hard for us to understand that. We are used to NBA basketball. We are used to players having that marquee. And this is, an, this is another thing that I think that people uh, kind of miss. That yes, Jokic is not looking for the spotlight, not looking for endorsements and, or anything like that, is, is a culture difference for him specifically. We as Americans are not used to this. We're not used to someone who is reluctant to promote themselves and treats what they do as a job, right? Um, we are used to lifestyle. We're used to NBA lifestyle. We're used to someone making the culture of the NBA a, li a lifestyle. It's the way we Americans approach this sport. This sport's the second most popular sport in the country. Okay. There's a big gap between the NFL and the NBA, but it's the second most popular sport in the country. And the reason is all casuals love the stars. That's been one of the features here. One of the reasons that it's been the national media, particularly ESPN, who has struggled, struggled to promote Jokic. Struggled. They don't, it, every, against every fiber of their being to promote Jokic, just because on one side of it is that he just doesn't do any endorsements. And, you know, for that matter, neither does Luka Doncic. Um, and uh, Giannis is in some... Uh, um, you see Jason, I see Jason Tatum far more than I should ever see Jason Tatum in ads. I, 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 I see, I see too much Jason Tatum is what I do. Um, but there, there's like, Jokic is a very specific thing is that he just treats it like a job. It's a, it, this is what he does that he gets paid for. His salary is what is what he's rewarded for is for work and the endorsements, um, he has no interest in because it's, it's, I, th I think it's like the way it is kind of like this Eastern European way of looking at it to where I, I'm, you know, it's not part of my job. My job is to, to play basketball. So anyway, all that to say, this Denver Nuggets team is built around the ethos of Nikola Jokic. And I hope, and there's this hope that I have that there could be a, not a, not a cultural change, but a sea change in how, the league and ESPN, if ESPN still has the games in a, in a few years, um, how they approach this, how they how they understand that you know you can emphasize the star of the Denver Nuggets, but Jokic, the way he looks at it, is that this I am the first first among equals, making not making his teammates feel like they're just along for the ride on his journey, which is, which is, I think, incredibly, incredibly important. Him not making people, the people who he plays with, feel like they are just hid to support his journey. There has been some sacrifice, specifically Michael Porter Jr., and uh, that that part I'm going to get to here in a second. And to talk about the rest, the, the guys who all contributed to a great part to this the Nuggets four-game sweep, 
Jamal Murray coming back from injury, uh, having a, a great playoffs. And, you know, he's in that Jimmy Butler category of, of 16 game players. I am not going to translate this to the regular season. Regular season Jamal is always going to be extremely different uh, uh, than he is in the playoffs. Um, and I think I've come to the conclusion that Jamal in the regular season is more, it's because he gets constantly injured. Jamal's always in dealing with something, right? And a lot of it has to do because he works so hard on every single possession. And I think that because of the fact that he is always hurting, not injured, but hurting with something, it limits him in the regular season. And if it's easier to do in a, in a, in a 16 win scenario. Okay. And what the Nuggets have been doing is, is throughout the year, it's kind of saving up for this. They're, they're kind of coasting at the end was an acknowledgement that something that people were very slow to admit. And some of that came from Jamal was the fact that the Nuggets knew the Nuggets knew they were better than every team in the Western conference, even with the post trade Lakers, even the, um, the Warriors who, if you saw this, and there's something that we need to say here. And I saw this last night, and I think it's 100% true. Uh, people overreact. I think it was Nate Jones pointed this out. The victory over the Golden State Warriors by the uh, by the, the Lakers, um, people overreacted to it maybe uh, because people forgot how mediocre the, the Golden State Warriors were all year. And the Lakers being able to defeat a mediocre uh, Golden State Warriors team maybe shouldn't have made people think that what the Lakers were going to be a better uh, that against the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets were better than everyone else. A lot of that has to do with Jamal. All of that has to do with a healthy Jamal. All of that has to do with Jamal's tough mentality. You know, the Nuggets could have got down several times in this game. The Nuggets could have got... Uh, they, they were down by 15 going into halftime. And that third quarter was tremendous just absolutely tremendous both Jokic and Murray Jamal Murray is compliments to him he's a guy that I want with me in a foxhole um he's not necessarily a guy I want with me on a long journey he was a guy I want with me when the chips are down and I think that is the biggest compliment you can give Jamal Murray you know he is the guy that you want with you in that foxhole he wants he, he's the guy that is going to be tough no matter what and that those kinds of guys you need in the playoffs and the previous two seasons the nuggets didn't have that the nuggets didn't have that guy that foxhole guy uh on their roster and uh as much as the other guys were doing well and you know aaron gordon was last year and i'm gonna get to gordon at the very last part of this first segment but it was just it was very clear that jamal missing jamal missing that grit was something that the Nuggets needed. Forget the shot making, forget all the other stuff. That was great. The grit is what the Nuggets needed the most. And they, they just did not have it. Moving to Michael Porter Jr. No one on this roster has sacrificed more than Michael Porter Jr. He is a guy that if he was on a different team would be scoring 25 points a game. Uh, and would be getting endorse, endorsements out the wazoo. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., by far has sacrificed the most and it's not even close and what he's been able to do particularly in this series with rebounding and solid defense is uh, a testament to him 
I'll be honest with you. It has no, no, not a testament to the coaching staff, not a testament to anyone else but him. Because no one else, this is the NBA, no one else makes that decision but you. No one can, can control you like that. If Michael Porter Jr. wanted to agitate and, and um, demand a trade off this roster, he could. Um, he is, uh, he is averaging, I think it's like 15 points a game in this series. Um, very much the Horace Grant kind of thing where he's rebounding. Um, the, the, you know, was next to Jokic by far the most consistent rebounder on this Nuggets team. He's doing what it takes to win the game. A lot of that is instilled by his dad and his dad on Twitter gave credit to Jokic for, for having that influence on, on, on Mike. And I think that's the correct way to put it. In the NBA, it's your best player that influences the roster and Jokic being able to get that into Mike, um, and understand that he needed to sacrifice, even though it's not necessarily good for his star power. Um, it's it's essential, and I'm I'm glad Jokic was able to do that. And I'm, and Mike was invaluable in this series. His rebounding and his assists in Game Three, amazing. And I can't compliment Michael Porter Jr. enough. Uh, Aaron Gordon finally had a breakout game in Game Four, and uh, he would. It was by far his best game of the series. Um, they Nuggets finally figured out the the Ruri Hachimura Anthony Davis thing, and which it was to have Gordon initiate the passing, which kind of pulled Davis away. They didn't put the and I thought they would put Gordon in the corner. Nobody puts Gordon in the corner. Sorry, uh, dirty dancing reference. Um, but they. They put him in the corner. They did put him in the corner. They 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 had him uh, initiate the pick and rolls. There was a four or five pick and roll, and uh, that pulled Davis away, and it really felt, opened up the lane. Um, there's different ways you can do this in in the NBA. It, it doesn't take you don't need to be a genius to figure these things out. There was only two solutions to the issue. Well, three solutions. Either you bench Gordon and have Michael Porter Jr. play the four. Um, or you uh, have him initiate the the four or five pick and rolls, which is what the Nuggets did, or you put him in the corner and hope that uh, Davis is far enough away uh, to not roam. And essentially, the Nuggets did the second of the options, and it worked. And in Game Four, uh, Aaron Gordon had a tremendous, tremendous game. Not uh, he and Aaron Gordon uh, felt like he could improve after the last playoff series, and he talked about that uh, after that. And I think he, I think he, and the strides he made this year and through the course of this series where it was basically the, the Lakers identified him as the weak link, not Michael Porter Jr. Uh, it was Aaron Gordon overcoming that and putting forth such a great game for was absolutely tremendous. I can't compliment him enough. All right. In the second half of the podcast, I'm going to give us some context about what this means, what this means to longtime Nuggets fans and more. But first I want to talk to you about Blanchard family wines located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee beautiful lower downtown. Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got a location in Fort Collins. they got a location in the dairy block, and they also have one in Sonoma County. If you're ever out in uh, Northern California, check them out. Uh, they got whites. they got reds. they got Pinot. they got they got Cabernet. they got Merlots. they got, you know, Malbecs. Syrahs. Everything you need. they got they got whites. they got rosés. 
Rieslings, which is uh, some of the partnerships with their Western Slope wineries. Rieslings are the grape of uh, the Western Slope. Check out a Riesling. Um, check out what Colorado has to offer. Uh, it's one of those. It's it's I. What I love about Blanchard is that not they are they are a local Colorado business that loves local Colorado product, and you'll get the best of what they got there. Plus their own product, which comes from Sonoma County in uh, California, their Pinot is really good, and so is their Cabernet. I would highly suggest if you're into reds, try those out. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. For longtime Nuggets fans, um, this, this to me... As I said before, this was kind of like validating the years of pain. Um, now, the journey's not done, and if the Nuggets don't win the finals, it's not going to be 100%. It's not going to be uh, like exercising any demons, okay? It's still going to be part of that journey. But what the Nuggets did in very specifically beating the Los Angeles Lakers was getting that very particular monkey off their back. You know... If you talk to Lakers fans, if you looked at long, particularly longtime Lakers fans, they felt they owned the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, on their with within the Lakers pantheon, is like this is the team we always beat to get to where we needed to go. Okay, the end. The Lakers ended up winning the title in '85. They won the title in 2009. They won the title in 2020. Going through the Nuggets, they won it. Won the title in two, 1987 when they went through the Nuggets, um, and uh, in 2008 they didn't win the title, but they went to the finals, and uh, that was part of that triumvirate uh, three straight finals appearances by the Lakers. This was a this was something the Nuggets needed to do to exercise some demons, and I think. For me personally, it was it was important for me to see the Nuggets beat the Lakers, to know that it could be done. You know, I remember how euphoric I was. In 1988, Michael Adams hit a three-point shot uh, at the end of the game, and the Nuggets were on this big winning streak to end the year. Um, Michael Adams hit this three-point shot to beat the Lakers. Uh, one of the best games I've ever seen, by the way. It was and I just... 100%, maybe one of the best Nuggets games ever. And they just, I remember how thrilled I was because they beat the effing Lakers, you know? And that's 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 my podcast. Why am I censoring myself? Beat the fucking Lakers. And this is, this was like so cool to watch. This was just the concept. I watched it at a friend's house with his dad because my friend had gone to bed. I was, I was just sleeping over at a friend's house and I watched it with him. I'll never forget that. Anyway, um, the, the, the pain that has gone through, but by specifically with the Lakers was, I, and I said this before this series started, it was essential that the Nuggets play the Lakers and just needed to happen this way. The Nuggets, the franchise, Nuggets fans, longtime Nuggets fans. See, there's a lot of Nuggets fans who have come in since Mello was here, who, you know, check out my post my, my retirement mellow uh, episode that I recorded uh, earlier today or yesterday. Um, and that who don't really know the pain because it was just, it was just always, it was omnipresent. 
The Lakers were the team in the Western Conference that the Nuggets couldn't get through. Going all the way back to 1979, as I pointed out uh, a, few, a few podcasts ago. It, it's just, it was essential that the Nuggets do this. And to do it in a sweep, kind of, and thoroughly... To, where, to, to the point where everyone understood that the Nuggets were the better team. It was thrilling. Absolutely thrilling. Um, last night, I'm like, I'm recording this at 6 in the morning. I can't believe I got up this early. Um, the Nuggets, you know, last night, me particularly last night, uh, there was an awareness of that. I I'm, I want to tell people who just who who don't understand the weight and history of what it means to beat the Lakers. The Lakers haven't been great. They haven't been the dominant team they were since the early 2010s. In fact, uh, 2010 was the last of the two they won with Kobe, and. Uh, they just, they, I need to under, to make people understand that this is, this was a, a, this was a moment of catharsis that I personally needed to experience. I needed this. I needed them to beat the Lakers. I needed them to beat the Lakers, uh, the Lakers team that had featured a, a legendary second best player in NBA history. I, I needed this. I needed this after the bubble where the Nuggets were, you know, you had that shot from Anthony Davis and you're like, here we go again, right? In game two. I needed to, to feel the Nuggets prevail over their franchise, not franchise, NBA franchise long boogeyman. And it felt tremendous to get that very specifically i'm going to go into the finals and i'm fairly confident that no matter who they face and it's going to be the heat but no matter who they face the nuggets will be fine okay um i i just i just needed to see lakers fans feel what nuggets fans felt and there is there's this podcast that uh tim cradges mcbasketball has called Lakers exceptionalism and that is based on the fact that the, it's Lakers exceptionalism right particularly since 1980 <clears throat> they have won uh three eight ten twelve eleven since 1980 that's a lot of that's a lot of titles right it's a lot of titles and or ten no yeah eleven yeah because of the one twenty twenty and it, it it is just it's just when you got something as omnipresent as the Lakers constantly winning, it's kind of like cathartic to especially since they be, always beat the Nuggets. The Nuggets are now one and seven against the Lakers. It's kind of personally satisfying to to feel this, and I feel for Alex English, Dan Issel, David Thompson. Um, in going to the 2000, you know, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Chauncey Billups, um, you know, all the pe all the players, Alex, you know, as I would say, Alex English, T.R. Dunn, Blair Rasmussen, uh, Danny Shays, I did, guys, Elston Turner, guys that tried and failed to beat 
these historically great Lakers teams. But I also feel great for Andy Feinstein, Nate Timmons, uh, all these Nuggets fans who on Twitter who follow me that I, I will just point you to Twitter and they all find people who have followed me for years and years and years who are long, 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 long time Nuggets fans. It just feels great. The journey's not done and the Nuggets need to take care of business in the finals. But beating the Los Angeles Lakers, there was something that we all needed in our souls. I needed it in our my soul. And it kind of felt like a good 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 moment. It felt like it felt like an essential moment that I needed. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'm gonna be back. Well, I don't know when. Then there's a there's an eight day gap now between now and the uh, the the finals beginning on June first. So I'll be back uh, probably a day after tomorrow with uh, another episode. I'm gonna I'm trying to line up some guests. So uh, hopefully these guests will say yes, and we can talk about the Nuggets and and uh, and really kind of celebrate this on the way up to the finals on June first. So thank you all for joining me. I'll be back in a couple days with another episode. Goodbye. 